This holy feast that has been given to us in the church, this feast of Christ the King instituted some 100 years or so ago, is a feast to be able to emphasize the, the worldly kingship of Christ, certainly as, as we hear something of that in the gospel, although our Lord, it tells us that his kingship, his kingdom is not of this world, but we know that it certainly includes this world, that he is Christ the King of the entire universe, that he rules all things that are created. They are created, in fact, through him, and thus it is right that he is king over them. The reality is that part of the feast of this institute, of the institution of this feast, rather, was for the restoration of our culture, the restoration of our world, in which in so many places, uh, the atheist or agnostic uh, or even the demonic, you know, has, has come to the forefront, that in so many places Christendom has been cast aside and, you know, otherworldly things, you know, evil things uh, have been trying to take the place of the Lord, who is the rightful king of this world. And so the feast was instituted to reassert and to restore what is properly Christ's. This is part of the, the prayer, the opening collect of today's Mass. It speaks of Christ who willed to restore all things. Christ wills to restore all things. It's an important word, this restoration. Restoration is not uh, just simply a, a little patch on things. It's not a quick fix. It is a restoration. It is something being made whole once again. It is being what it was, and oftentimes even better than what a thing was. And on this account, it takes a great amount of work. I've been hearing the word restoration a whole lot lately in the recent weeks and months, as we talk about the restoration of the cafeteria, the restoration of the organ, the restoration of all kinds of other things. But in all of those things, the simple reality is that, that restoration entails lots of work. And specifically with the organ, contemplating that, the, the work that has to be done is to be able to take apart, to be able to fix, and to build anew. There's something that must be taken apart first in the restoration. Even if one is restoring, you know, restoring a piece of furniture that one has, you have to first take off the first layer, you know, take off the paint or take off the, you know, the, the whatever the, you know, the, the exterior of the thing is that has been covered, and you have to take it back down to the original wood, and then you can do something with it. There's a stripping away that must happen, and then the building up. And this is the restoration that Christ wants to do in our world and in our church and in our souls. He wants to restore all things. There are things within us that must be removed. The Lord must strip us of self-will. He must strip us of vice. He must strip us of sin. He must strip us of, of that coldness or that indifference that so often and so easily is found in human hearts. He must do the similar things in the church as well as in the world. There is much that must be stripped away. But the stripping away always brings something new. It allows things to happen and to be, to be brought again to their, to their basic, basic nature and then rebuilt into something new, to be restored. This, in fact, is the entire mission of Christ is, as he's done it already and he's continuing to do it and work it out in our humanity. Christ restored humanity. It's the fact that that on account of the sins of Adam and Eve, all of us merited original sin. 
All of us are, begin our lives with the devil having a foothold and a stronghold in our souls. And it's he who must first be cast away, and then we are built up in the virtues of Christ, given the grace of Christ by the sacraments, that sanctifying grace that is necessary for our salvation. In a similar manner, we also recognize that even humanity itself has been transformed. The Easter exultet reminds us that, that the latter condition of man is better than the former, which is a strange thing for us to understand, that our condition today is a better situation than Adam and Eve before the fall. That doesn't seem to make sense to us very often because, in fact, we still sin and they didn't at that point. So how is it that we can say that we are in a better state in humanity? It is not because of ourselves and our own sinlessness, but rather it is because Christ has taken on our humanity and elevated above the angels. It's nothing that we ourselves have done. It's that Christ has made it so. Christ has exalted us. It is Christ who, taking on our flesh, made things better for the human race. In fact, our condition can be better in this life. Because whereas Adam and Eve simply had to re rely upon, you know, in, in so many ways, kind of a natural, natural union with God, uh, kind of walking with Him in the garden, we get to receive His very flesh and have Him enter into our souls. Indeed, things are better in so many ways for the human person on account of the incarnation of Christ. And it's this that the Lord wants to continue to do as He has already stripped away so many things. He wants to continue to do so in our souls, in our church, and in the world, so as to build up his kingdom. And this is why, in the part of the, part of the gift of the Our Father, the offering of, of the prayer uh, continuously, in just about every Catholic context one can find, the Our Father is present there. And that wonderful prayer that bids us place upon our lips, Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. And for his kingdom to come, there must be the stripping of ourselves. And it happens in a whole variety of ways, of course, we know. It happens by virtue of our own mortifications, those things we can take up to strip us of self-will and of our, to quit relying upon our own strength and to manifest our weakness before the Lord so as to receive his power. It's for us to allow the virtue of Christ to increase within us, especially by the prayer and by the sacraments of the church specifically Holy Communion and the Holy Eucharist, the gift of the sacrament, the body of Christ that comes to transform us. In this manner, the Lord strips us of self. It's a simple reality that, that whenever we can, only, we can only retain so much that, that as, the, as more as we put in the good, it casts out the evil. The more goodness is placed into our mind, the more Holy Communion is placed upon our lips, the more and more Christ becomes present in us. It's the reality that we become indeed what we eat. We become Christ. It's a slow and a steady process very often. And sometimes it can be a tedious process and seem as if nothing is taking place. And yet we recognize that the quiet labor of our Lord is always effective. If we're willing to allow Christ to work within us, if we are willing to allow him to strip away so as to build us up, he will do it. We need not worry about how or when or the time or any of these things. To give ourselves to Christ wholly and entirely and to trust 
This is what we need to give everything to him because indeed everything already is his. We simply think we claim it for a short time when in fact it would all be lies to ourselves. And so as we offer this solemn feast, just give thanks to God for this feast, to give thanks to this reminder that Christ desires to restore all things, to renew and reestablish his kingship in the world, in the church, and in every human heart. We pray that in, indeed his kingdom might come and it might come quickly. It might come by the sanctification of souls, that all things might be restored in Christ to the glory of God the Father.